I played all these sports, soccer, baseball, football. And we do these things called two-a-days. So we practice twice a day, five days a week to play once. So we practice 10 times more than we played. Well, in business, for some reason, we say, we're going to practice a little bit in the beginning, and then you're going to play the game every day. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I try to hire athletes or somebody that was in a band or somebody that made a commitment and learned to excel at something. I love those because they're used to that. They grew up with that, that every day they'd have to practice or play. I think we're missing that these days. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again on this new week, and we are excited to have a new guest with us. Of course, we are bringing on the one and only Tommy Mello onto the show, and he's going to be talking about some high-level stuff. So buckle up those bootstraps and make sure you're hanging on because it's going to be a good ride. High-level stuff? High-level stuff. You made uh, you made me and Nate feel like uh, <laughs> toddlers. I didn't want to put that out there. Probably probably 15 minutes of, of the interview we uh in this case we are uh recording the intro uh five days yeah. after we recorded the interview with mr Mello, <clears throat> and we couldn't do it the same day because we just walked out of this room like yeah I, I had to i had to go clear my mind and reevaluate my life after this podcast yeah i'm not making a big enough contribution <laughs> this is what i came away with like whoa and then yeah. he's, he's uh, what is he, six years younger than me or something? Let's not bring Crying that up. Out yeah. <laughs> my man has accomplished a lot. It, it's sort of like going how, to accomplish a lot more. Absolutely. It's sort of like how I feel when, uh, when I watch football and I'm like, oh, my word, that was a ridiculous catch. That guy should be paid $20 million. How old is he? He's, he's 22. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like a wait, Sean McVay. Wait, I, I, loved it. I love to catch that and go, he's, he's born in what year? Oh, that was okay. Yeah, yeah. You I, were I, had, I had been with my wife for two years <laughs> when he was born. Yeah, we'd been together for. The same years. thing with like Sean McVay. I mean, the coach of the Rams. I mean, the dude's the youngest coach in the league. I don't even know if he cracked thirty-five yet. And it's just like, what? What turn in my life did I miss? <laughs> yeah, love that. I'm gonna text Tommy that we are uh, in the intro comparing him to Sean McVay. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Big props. Young, aspirational, and got dreams, baby. And not just dreams, but plans. Goals, uh, like blueprints, roadmap. Um, Tommy recommended a book when we recorded this interview five days ago. I started that book that evening. <clears throat> it was uh, go for no. So let's get to our quote because it's actually from the book recommended by the guest that oh, you're about to hear. This oh, is some nice. real back to the future stuff. We're going uh, with yeah, today. right. <laughs> yeah, fire up that DeLorean. I mean, if we hadn't uh, haven't let everybody know that, it would have been a nice like, Right, we actually used that quote. What a uh, quinky day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. All right, All right. Brian. Let's Hold see, on. Let's Scrap see. this. Let's start over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's hear the quote. Comfort zones are not static. They are either growing or shrinking. Richard Fenton from the book 
go for no. Hmm. They're either shrinking or static. No, comfort zones are not static. They're not static. They're either growing or shrinking. Reminds me of a quote. I don't know if it's a Ken Goodrich quote, but something he said to me when I was, I don't know, 25, working for him in Las Vegas. He said, you're either green and growing or brown and dying. You're never standing still. Yep. Um, the comfort zone thing was huge, though, because not only is it a great quote, and, and they said it like in passing in the book where I was like, whoa, I was in the shower listening to it. I'm like, ah, I'm like smashing my soaking wet finger against my phone to like <laughs> back it up to 15 seconds. You need to get some of that waterproof uh, marker for the wall in the in the shower. Oh. You document some of those thoughts, right? This guy. <laughs> you. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to figure that out. Yeah, right. board in my shower. That is where I do my best thinking. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm out of the gym right now, tore my shoulder all up, can't lift. So, uh, most of my good thinking comes in the shower. I'm going to have to get a whiteboard in there. Yeah. Or, Sounds good. or I'm going to need you to show up with a pen and paper. That's, that's not going to happen. No, right. You have other people in your household <laughs> that can handle that. Um, yeah. So the quote, it, it, it was in passing. So I had to keep hitting back 15 seconds because I wanted to take it down when I got out. Um, but it was, it really, to me, pertained to this episode because we tried to contain Tommy in a, let's just speak to the technician's box. But impossible, all could, impossible. It, it barely happened. <laughs> it was all about growth and what's next, and and you know, uh, busting through this next plateau. And man, it was it was exciting for uh, for yours truly and my co-host here. We uh, we came away just full of stuff to implement in the businesses here, and even the podcast, really. Yeah, um, that's for sure, and and. You know, I, I realize that a lot of our audience is, and the podcast is certainly geared towards technicians, plumbers, electricians in the truck. But this is one of those things that, like, you just got to open your mind and dream a little bit with this guy. I mean, he'll take you to another place. Absolutely. He took us to another place. And uh, and I highly recommend his podcast, the Home Service Expert Podcast, for just everybody. I mean, I, I've, I've recommended this to a few techs, like the uh, To The Point podcast with Cristiano and tall Paul Redmond and I get texts that say that's eh, about like you know owning a business and business building and stuff and I'm like what no it's not it's like the the uh Jim Abrams Jim Abrams um Jim Collins book good to great that's about building a business but your your service truck is a business is a CSR your desk is a business you apply these principles to it you will be the most successful person in your field um so, yeah, I highly recommend the podcast, the Home Service Expert podcast. He's got a new one coming. Uh, what was that? Ask Tommy? Uh, ask Tommy, yeah. Yeah, Ask Tommy. It's, it's going to be fantastic. As you'll hear here shortly, he's a, he's a wealth of information that, I mean, he's a well that just d- doesn't run dry and it's just constantly coming up with new stuff, I think. Yeah, I would, I would refer to him more as a geyser. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, the well you have to go yeah there's water there you have to go digging for it the geyser yeah. the water's coming out baby. You, can, you can just throw <laughs> your cup across the top of it and it's going to get full as it hits for the ground. sure yeah um so i would recommend getting a notepad together maybe not driving while you're listening to this yes one, please or, do not do that yeah or you know what listen to it once see if it strikes you the same way it, it struck us and if so highly recommend uh listen to it a second time with a with a notepad in hand and taking some ideas down 
This is yeah, this is back to back episodes because uh, we had your boy Brandon Duncan on last week, and he had that whole like ten step process to the bulletproof bulletproof mindset. And now we got another note taking episode here. It's yeah. gonna be good. Lots of good feedback on my man Duncan. That was a great episode. Um, I I highly expect the same thing with the Tommy Mello uh, episode. This was great. I can't wait to listen to it myself. To be perfectly honest, because he's the dude's a killer. Yeah. So without further ado, we're gonna put none other than Tommy Mello in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Tommy Mello. He is the author of The Home Service Millionaire and the founder of A1 Garage Doors, a $50 million, uh, actually $70 million plus operation, uh, service built with over 200 employees in 19 states. Through HomeServiceMillionaire.com and Home Service Expert Podcast, Tommy shares his experience and insights to help fellow entrepreneurs scale their business. Tommy has been recognized with the top entrepreneurs under 35, best dealer and super service awards from multiple associations, including Angie's List, the Better Business Bureau, and he's been interviewed multiple times by television personalities and service-related publications. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for letting me on, guys. Appreciate being here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And, and Nate and I have heard many of your, your podcast episodes, and um, it's great to actually be able to respond to you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's exciting to be here. I love talking to home service guys. You know, this is my passion is talking about business. People, people love a lot of stuff. I love business. That's great, man. Uh, well, we're going to start this off with a question, basically, like, what does a garage door guy have to do with HVAC plumbing and electrical? You know, that that's where I got my roots, actually. I, I'd say 2006, I got involved with garage doors. Before that, I did landscaping. And I'd say 2015 is when I really started to learn more about the HVAC industry. And you heard of these guys, Frank Blau and, and, uh, I, there, there's a million of them, but Frank Blau and, and uh, who's my biggest guy that I would say you guys know. Let's see, Terry Nickel, Nickel, Nichols. Nicholson. Yeah. Um, let's see who else. Who's the? I'm brain farting right now. The Jim, main, main, main guy, Jim Abrams. Jim Abrams, yeah. So and Alan Rohr and Al Levy and Ken Goodrich and Ken Haynes and you know what, what they did and George Brazil. You know, these guys all, they did some amazing things in the industry and it's just, they started, a lot of these guys started in the early nineties or, or before that, um, HX Bell's Wealth with, uh, Smith. Um, it was, no, what's his name? Uh, hey, Tommy. hey, Tommy, yeah. sorry to bother you. Uh, are you getting like a, a buzz every? Yeah. Place? I don't know how to turn that off. Let, let's, that should get rid of it. Okay. That's I'm on sorry. your side. <laughs> We're looking at each other yeah. saying like, yeah, like no, I, 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 who brought the I didn't realize button? that was. <laughs> Okay. I'm good now. Uh, cool. Yeah. So you were just talking about uh, Jim Abrams, Terry Nicholson, all those guys. Yeah. You know, these guys, what happened was, is I just started really service time introduced me to a lot of the guys and I started the podcast, the home service expert, wrote the book, the home service millionaire. We just started hanging out with different people and just going to visiting their shops constantly. I mean, I get out of town as much as possible all over the country and go visit successful shops. And HVAC just had to figure it out. Um, unfortunately for HVAC, there's a lot of things holding it back. Number one, it's only summer, one season out of the year. Number two, is it's it's a lot harder to get 
into the business, um, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. But I'll tell you guys, uh, garage doors just doesn't, the, the problem with garage doors is the ticket averages aren't as high, but it is all year round. And uh, service agreements are harder than garage doors, but we've managed to be able to kind of crack that, that cookie or that code or whatever. So, so I just absolutely love A-Track, though. I love A-Track. I love plumbing. I love electrical. I'm good friends with uh, Aaron Gaynor out there in Columbus, Ohio, running Eco Plumbers. I, these guys all just have a lot to offer. And the more you hang around with them, the more stuff you pick up on KPIs and, and making sure you've got systems that are thought out and work and pay for, for, for performance and how to set up the trucks. And overall, we kind of took everything we've learned and uh, tweaked it for our industry. And I think... It's just, it's amazing. And I absolutely love garage doors now that I figured out a way to, to make money in it because most garage doors, most companies in the United States, outside and inside of home service, just make a living. Um, they, one to three, one to three or five employees, and they make 100, 150 grand a year. And that's their, that's their salary and their profit. And the company makes zero. And that's just not a way to run a business. It it's just too much sacrifice you give up by running a business. So, yeah, they tend to just the the, the uh, owner and a few other people make a salary, and the company goes a little deeper into the red every year. And it's it's every company I worked at until I went to work for Ken Goodrich, which is um, I guess my mentor's mentor and uh, one of one of your mentors from what it sounded like uh, before we yep. got on the air. So yeah, Ken's amazing. Ken, Ken has flipped a lot of companies. Ken understands how to charge the right price. He's not afraid. Uh, I know he deals with unhappy customers that say you charge too much, but what I've learned from Ken is he doesn't care. He's not advertising for everybody. And he spends a lot of money on TV, radio, billboards, specifically radio, because the Wizard of Ads um, has taught him that the Wizard of Ads is, is all into... Uh, all into radio. He thinks it's easier to get radio ads than than anything else. So his name's Roy Williams. I'm actually looking at a book. I just was out there a month ago visiting him. And he says, Tommy, do you know I could own a person, pretty much own their business in the HX plumbing world for 55 cents a year? Meaning they hear my ads all day, every day for 25 cents a year per person. He says there's no, or yeah, 55 cents per person. He goes, there's no other industry uh, with that kind of low number uh, per per person to have their business, and so what I learned though is is Ken charges really significantly higher prices than the industry. I mean, you guys know Dale Steele, uh, the goat is what I call him. Is you know I've seen him sell units for <laughs> up upwards of above thirty grand with with a bunch of stuff, air purification and all kinds of different things and the best package they have and same day service. And they got the crane out there within an hour, but other people say you can't charge that. But I always say, you know what? I go to rest nice restaurants. I pay $500 for two people and it takes me three weeks to get a reservation. So but you can't advertise those to McDonald's customers because they're not <laughs> going to show up there and pay that much for a steak. Right. right they're not going right. to pay a hundred bucks for a steak and mashed potatoes that they're used to going to McDonald's. Yeah. So, and there is a difference, and we, we're actually on uh, Wizard of Ads ourselves here at, at the uh, one-hour Ben Franklin, Mr. Sparky, that Nate and I manage. Um, and their their model of going after the relational 
clients and not the transactional clients, which is kind of their claim to fame as far as I know. Your transactional clients are your drive-through shoppers and the relational or the kind who want to get to know a tech, a, a company, and use that company for, for good no matter no matter whether they're the lowest priced in town or not. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't want to be the lowest price. I don't want to be the most expensive. I want to be the best value. The best value is where it's at. There's a great book by Alex Tramosi called a hundred million offers. And he quotes Dan Kennedy in the book. And he says, charge a higher price as you can without smiling when you state the price. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you that's, said that's uh, what I believe. I mean, listen, I'm I'm in business to profit. Yeah, you mentioned and, uh, you, you know you get on Facebook and you see all these little guys that are you know mom and pop shops with ten employees or less talking crap about the pricing. They're still working out of their house. They don't have insurance or PTO for their employees. They don't <laughs> so have a true. manager, so when they're out of town, everything falls apart. Right, and they've got the. I, I don't. I, I just can't believe they'll go on and criticize people. My building, I just bought another building right next to this one. So 34,000 plus 40,000 square feet. So it's 74,000 square feet. We've got a huge training center. We're building one double the size. We've got continued education, the best trucks. We buy tools for our guys, the best tools in the industry so they don't blow out their shoulder. My guys have brand new iPads. They got the best software. They got the best benefits. And they guys talk about my pricing. They can't afford to do advertising. And they say, yeah, well, I'm making a good living. And I go, you're barely, you, you've got a job. Because when you don't work, you don't make money. And that's a job. Right. I think people miss that point. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it, it is easy to be on the other side of that equation and, and point, uh, you know, throw stones at the glass house and all that stuff and, and uh, forget about the fact that all the things that you listed are their reality and are difficult or a challenge. It's uh, it's interesting when I see these people. It's just I, I had about twenty five garage door companies out here about a year, a little over a year ago, and um, I, I said, "Hey, if, uh, an HVAC unit, five ten unit goes. I don't know. Let's just say it goes for two grand. Sometimes it's a little less, sometimes a little more, depending on the size of your company and what you're buying." I said they sell it for let's just say twelve grand. That's a six times multiplier. Let's do a tankless hot water heater. Let's keep going through all these other industries. So let's just take a multiple of six. I don't know. Let's just say we pay 1500 for a door and an opener and we'll just take six, six times. That's about nine grand who you're charging nine grand. They all looked at each other, started laughing. They're like, hell no, that's a rip. That's highway robbery. And I said, eight grand, anybody seven, six, finally handling up around five. And I said, they said, how do you sleep at night? Getting away with those prices. I said, I try to make a profit, first of all. Secondly, I try to take care of our employees. Wh which one of you guys have brand new trucks that are wrapped? Put your hands up right now. Brand new, meaning this year. None of their hands went up. I said, how many of you guys can afford billboards and TV? Oh, that's way too expensive. You can't afford that stuff. How many of you guys uh, do PTO two weeks for, for, for your technicians, not only the office staff? How many of you guys have really, really great health insurance and dental? How many of you guys could afford service time? All of you guys say that's too expensive, right? So do me a favor. Before you talk to me about how much I charge my clients, 
take care of your internal customers. And I don't want to hear you ever talk to me about how much I'm charging until you start taking care of your employees. And now all these guys are having a hard time retaining employees. They can't hire. They're all trying to get out of the industry. They don't know what to do. And they're all saying, I guarantee they all shook my hand when we left there. So they're going to raise their prices, but I guarantee you right now, they're all saying, man, that dude, we didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know, you know? Right. right. Well, that's great stuff, Tommy. I got to ask you, you know, how did you get into this whole thing? When you were a kid, were you saying, man, mom and dad, I love garage doors and I'm just looking to, I'm looking to make the career out of this or how'd that all start? No, no, I definitely had no idea. I always think about, what I thought about with Roger, I didn't really think much about him as a kid. I, I just went in and out all day long with him. But, uh, no, I, uh, the way I got into the business was, uh, I, I started getting into the business because of, uh, a buddy of mine was doing, uh, garage doors, answering phones at a garage door company. So, so he was answering phones at a garage door company. And, uh, then he got me a job there or he got, he got my other roommate a job there. So he was actually a service tech. And then, so they started working together and then I did a ride along with them. And my buddy Gabe quit because we decided to start a company. Cause I said, how could you charge a buck or two for a roller and sell it for 15? I didn't know that that was even possible. Those kind of margins. I soon realized though, to buy trucks, pay for gas, pay for insurance. There's so many expenses that you just don't even realize. Um, and yeah, it kind of went, uh, went down, downhill for the first few years. And I actually went into debt. We went into the yellow book the last year. It, it didn't work. 2007, I think it was. And we started doing Valpac and Craigslist postings. And I just, I really literally have learned how to be the cheapest is how I came up. That's the only way through sweat equity and, uh, slowly begin to learn more and more and more about how to build a business, how to do the marketing, how to hire the right, how to, how to put an order chart together, how to get a debt chart. And here we are around 400 employees. We did 74 million this year, past year. And, and our budget this Jeez. year is 151. So your budget hopefully, this year uh, is 151. That's a lot of garage So you're planning on doubling this year. Sorry, what was that? Are you planning on doubling this year? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is we're, uh, we're buying a couple other companies. Um, so we bought one and so that, that number only includes the one company we bought. Um, so their budget next year, we got them, they did seven this past year. We got them at 10 next year. So 141 for a one. And, uh, the way we're going to get there is, it's really not that hard. Uh, we did 80% growth last year and we built the training center. We built, we got right now, we've got four full-time recruiters, seven full-time trainers. We've got, we've got a machine that's designed to grow. Love it. So it would be a lot different if I said we're a company that we're only one market. We're kind of tapped out, but I can tell you there's nowhere to go, but up with our full-time, full-time recruiters, full-time trainers, full-time, we've got a full-time traveling team. Um, we're re- redoing our marketing team right now. Uh, that's kind of where I like to live is marketing and sales. And I can tell you this, this new marketing team we're putting together is just going to be able to, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and, you know, I learned a lot from Ken Goodrich actually. Um, you know, he just knows how to turn over leads and turn service calls into sales. Very, very good. 
and I took a few notes from him and, and really put it into effect. But personally, my personal goal is a lot more than 150 million, but that's what the team came up with. And I'll be very transparent with you guys is I decided to exclude myself from the budget meeting because I tend to be a lot more optimistic. And then if I set the goals, everybody gets upset because they're, they think I'm delusional. You still hit those goals though, right? Yeah, you know what we do? And these guys, they set a big goal. And I said, don't come back to me with some crap. Don't come back to me with like some 20 or 30% crap. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. Love it, man. Well, that, that type of growth is what makes you so exciting, among many, many other things. Uh, obviously, you are the host of your own podcast, uh, which we'll mention here. It's the Home Service Expert Podcast. What was the idea behind that? You know, I, I, I figured, I had everybody ask, you know, I knew all these guys, and, and I wanted to get more and more consultants. Uh, on and just hear their point of view and the podcast was kind of just I had a lot to say I'm like man I'm learning so much I should share this because people just ask me a lot of questions all the time when they come in and I'm like you know let's just see how this goes and it was really tough the first 20 uh, but I got good at it I, I finally learned how to conversate with these guys and ask great questions and and what was so cool about the podcast is and I think people really like it because I'm in the middle of this stuff. They see me come from, you know, whenever I started 15 million to now 75 and the podcast, the questions are changing. So you go back to the initial ones, they're answering a lot of questions when you're smaller. Right. And then they, they start to get really, really more like, okay, private equity. They start to get into EBITDA, multiples, consolidation, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, 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 I can get anybody on the podcast now. That's what I love, right. you know? Yeah, and it is interesting that it's, it's like literally happening real time in front of the listening audience and they're watching and hearing you grow and the evolution of your questions. I mean, that's so cool to see that happen. It's that growth, like I said earlier, that makes you, I think, intriguing in so many ways. I mean, I don't know many companies that are looking to grow more than 30%, much less 80 90%, 100% like you are. Uh, which is fascinating. Well, a lot of companies don't have the, uh, they didn't build the machine. The machine is seven trainers and four recruiters. I mean, that's the machine, the training center. It's the way I get my vehicles wrapped and done in a process. It's the way that I get turned on the marketing and actually capacity planning. When you're growing that fast is the hardest part. Capacity planning is like, cause if you get the wrong technician, so now we're very deliberate on how, who graduates and why and how, but, um, we're building out some advanced technology, but I feel like I'm playing checkers or chess when everyone else is playing checkers. I really feel like you got, they, they, they don't, they still, they don't know what to call tracking numbers. I've got almost 5,000 call tracking numbers. They don't understand PVC, LSA, GMB and organic on Google. They don't understand. They don't know who the wizard of ads even is. And they don't really want to know. They, they don't, care about wrapping their trucks because they say they get enough business already. They're not open nights and weekends because they say their wife and kids need special time, which is great. And I agree with that. But also there's other people that can work those times because garage doors, you know, unfortunately I don't pick when they break. So it, it sounds like a lot of people have a great game, but, but I love buying them because they really build a good business, but their sales suck because they run seven calls for technician per day. They don't care about the sticker in the garage and all the other stuff that I put in it. 
They don't care about service agreements. They never heard of service to sales. And, you know, a lot of these guys, I, I got this guy that came to my event, the vertical track, and um, he's getting ready to retire the next couple of years. And he says, Tommy, and he's an older guy. He says, Tommy, I, uh, I thought you were a fast talking kid when I met you. He's like, I, you know, it was okay, but I just remember the first couple conversations that you were going to take over the world. And he goes, you know, then you started calling me and, you know, damn. He's like, you really done what you said you were going to do. And then the last few times you called me, I started writing everything down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I said, you know, but it's, it's the vision. It's the passion. It's the plan. And, and that's one of the things that I, I think I do well. And there's a lot of things I don't do well. Is I motivate others. And they want to be around this, this, it's contagious, it's growth, it's passionate. And that's the one thing is I got to just rally the troops. And they said, how do you, how the hell, I, one day I was on my whiteboard a couple of years ago and I said, we're going to do a billion. They said a billion dollars in revenue. I said, yeah. They said, Tommy, what's crazy. What's wrong with you? And I said, no, no, no. I, I got a few of the guys and I took them in and I, on the top right of the whiteboard, I wrote a billion and I wrote a line from the top right to the bottom left. And I said, if a technician could do 500 grand, which now our average tech is above that. Uh, my goal is million dollar producers. We had 10 of them last year. I want 50 of them this year. But we wrote down, so I need 2,000 technicians. So I wrote down 2,000 technicians and I wrote down the exact thing of how many CSRs and dispatchers because I got those ratios. And I said, so what's going to have to happen is we're going to need a huge training center. We're going to start with one size. We're going to go to this next size. And I put the dates. I did it in five years. This was two years ago. And I said, here's how we get there. And I said, this is the year where we start buying. And we grow it into this organization that's a consolidation company. And we make them walk, talk, and act like us. Meaning they're using the same price book on service time. They're using Paylocity. They're using the exact same things all across the board. They're getting the same truck setups just with their wraps on it. They're getting the same Milwaukee tool setups, which we buy our guys. They're using the same exact chart of accounts on QuickBooks. We use uh, he's a different company than QuickBooks now because we outgrew it. But the point is, if you make them walk, talk, and act. So, so I showed them, and they said, dude, you really want to do this, don't you? And I said, yeah. So if you talk to any one of these guys, they know our goal is a billion. And they know when we're going to get there and how we're going to get there. And that's the thing. That, that, I believe it. It's not just this dream. You have to make it a dream reality. That inspiration is fantastic, Tommy. And I mean, it's just, it's for me sitting here listening to you, you're like a freak, man. There's not a lot of people out there that are speaking in those terms and it's encouraging. It's exciting to hear somebody who's on fire like that. And if you can, I mean, stepping back a few years and like kind of, you said you're a great motivator. I want to ask you the question, like what are our podcast is devoted specifically to those who are still in the trucks, who are, who are literally turning the wrenches and, and things like that right now. Uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that's a few years back for you, but what, what would you, what do you say to your garage door technicians? Do you call them techs? What do you say to them to like, get them pumped up about your vision and, and everything else when they're going out and replacing a, a spring today? Well, you know, we have what's called a, we've got a field supervisor call in the morning. Then we have a morning mojo call and I've got an exact protocol every single morning. We go over the numbers from the day before. And we'll pick a topic. We'll pick a topic like, um, for example, financing. We don't call it financing. We call it promotions. And we'll go over all the numbers. And then I'll, a lot of times Brian will talk and say, hey, guys, you know, 
you guys, uh, this guy absolutely murdered it yesterday. We'll pick on a couple guys to talk about what they did, like the turnover and financing and service agreements and taking a, a, a not great call and turning it into something really great and or the highest conversion rate, which usually the guys in service are over 90%, but especially on door sales. So every morning we're motivating the guys and they all can't wait to be on there in the morning. And especially if they killed it the day before. And that could be they got more reviews than anybody. That could be they got a great finance job. That could be they converted a service into a sale. Whatever it is, we try to celebrate our wins and make sure that the guys, I talk about a lot of stuff. I talk about stories when I was still in the garage. But I'm like, guys, there's, there is a path here. You don't need to be just, and I don't belittle this, but you start out as an apprentice and you become a junior tech, tech, senior tech. Then you can become a lead tech. Then you can move out of the technician. You can move into a trainer. You can move into a recruiter. You can move into a uh, service, um, like a regional manager or a market manager. Lead technicians aren't in the truck every day. They're actually training two out of the five days. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities for growth at this company. And I told everybody and I tell everybody tomorrow I'm talking for three hours to the new group. There's about 15, 20 guys here right now training. And I, and my class are going to start becoming 30 to 40 here and they better be 50 here by the end of March. But that's technicians per month because they're coming in from their apprenticeship. They all fly into Phoenix. We got apartments. We put them up in and, and they're here for a month training. But the plan is for the, these guys, they know that it was our growth rate. It, they can move up very, very quick. You know, my buddies sells insurance and he, he's like, Tommy, unless somebody dies out of the blue, I'm not moving anywhere in the next eight to 10 years yeah. because I'm not going to get a book of business until one of these guys is out. And for here, I'm like, there's no better place in this industry in the world that you could be than right here, right now today. And here's all the opportunities you could move to. And it's a pretty self-gratifying job, I think. I mean, you go there, you fix the garage, the people are happy, you make great money, they pay weekly. I mean, there's a lot of benefits here. It's great. It's almost like a fraternity. I mean, these guys all know each other. There's a, there's a gal that just started. We've had women technicians. It's just not as prevalent. But overall, it's like one of the guys, he was younger. He was living out of his car. He's, he's loaded now, doing killing it. He moved up to a... We call it a virtual product specialist. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's just there's so many opportunities being built every day here that people know they can make six figures their first year. And where else are you going to do that with benefits, it, you know, in the blue-collar industry? But we're running out. I, look, I think these jobs are harder and harder to get great people for. No one wants to work these days. I don't have that problem. Um, I think we've kind of solved it. I got a buddy of mine. His name's Jody Underhill. He started a company called Rapid Hire. It's called uh, Rapid Hire. I don't know. I can look up the site real quick. But, man, he, he, he came in and he started posting all over social media. He's like, dude, here's the secret. He goes, don't get these employees from, from, from the unemployment line. He goes, if you want great employees, get them from rapidhirepro.com is the website. And so we started started doing that, and, and he just kept getting more and more and more applicants. And the quality of technicians, when you actually do the interviews and ride-along forms and background checks and drug tests, and we got this whole freaking software designed on the back end through um, 
the project management tool called Monday that we got everything in a systematized approach of how a technician kind of starts and how they win and, and how they get coaching and how they get performance improvement plans. And, and the coolest thing I just did is hired a dream manager. She's starting next week. And her goal is to literally sit down with each and every employee and identify their dreams. And we're going to help to figure out what we could do between home ownership, fixing their credit. We're involved in fixing their credit. We're involved in helping them purchase a home. This is everything I want for this business. I want them to be able to go on destinations with their family, go see Disney World, take their wife to a 10-year honeymoon that they've never imagined they could do. All those things really help with the culture. I never thought I'd be saying this stuff, but it's so important. That is absolutely so important. And I, I mean, man, you know, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like uh, that working for your company sounds like a dream, man. There's, there's a ton of stuff there and you're absolutely right. Uh, the trades has every opportunity to take somebody from zero to hero in their finances, in, in their, their experience and their growth opportunities. I mean, we're, we're big promoters of that, obviously, uh, an HVAC plumbing and electrical. Um, and I'm glad to hear that there's a comparable outlet in the garage door industry as well. Yeah. To tell you what, I, I was just talking about Jim Abrams the other day. Um, I think maybe me and the, uh, you know, when your lads were talking and he goes, we were just talking about how back in the day, how I think he came, Jim Abrams came from lacrosse and he moved to St. Louis. And now I think he's mostly in Florida, but it's a pretty cool story about, one hour air and then Benjamin Franklin, the punctual plumber and then Mr. Sparky and how that all came about. And just, I'm really, the history is repeating itself here. Cause I'm trying to do the same thing in garage doors. And I, I just think garage doors are just untapped. And I think there's so many untapped things out there. Like that's part of my dream is to be able to do this in garage doors, bring in some type of private equity or, or a strategic partner and then go do it again because there's chimney sweeping, there's concrete, there's window washing, there's flooring, there's just a million other things. And it's, it's all a lot of work. But once you build it once, you kind of know, you kind of got the, the way of forming the team. You understand the complexity of it. And it's not hard to do again. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. And certainly that model and those types of um you know, forward thinking people are, are needed in many areas. One of the things that we wanted to talk to you today about was how you made the garage door industry into something more, how you, how you built the machine, so to speak. And I want to start at the fact that garage doors are not exactly what I would consider um, something that most homeowners are high about. Like, you know, in terms of what people are willing to spend their money on or what they're even looking to spend their money on, on their house, I don't think garage doors make much of a top list there. And so I'm curious, how did you begin the process of helping people understand that there is opportunity, uh, well, where the, where the door is being knocked on, I guess. <laughs> well, there's a lot of reasons. Number one is that when I get your door fixed and I've got it, I'm looking at it and there's cracks, there's dents, it's oxidized, the trim's messed up, the bottom rubber is not keeping the elements out. It's noisy. It's not insulated the opener is just kind of shaking all over the place. It's not something you're begging for, but the garage door is 40% of your home's curb appeal. We trademarked, it's the smile of your home. It's literally the, the garage is the smile of your home. You probably are using your garage like your front door, but yet you're willing to pay six grand for a new front door. So let's talk about safety. Let's talk about danger. Um, 
those are things that uh, <laughs> tend to make people focus on what you're talking about. But, you know, out of everything, more than your kitchens or bathrooms, the garage door is number one in Remodel Magazine for ROI. It's the best investment you can make into your home. In fact, in a lot of areas, you actually make money when you buy a garage door. The house is worth more money than after than before it was when you replaced it. So those are big reasons why, but you think about it, you've got a $90,000 Tesla in the in the garage. You've got every single pastime you love to do, whether you're a fisherman, a golfer, whatever, it's all behind there. So it's easy to get to know people and build friendships with these guys because you walk in there and, you know, if they, if they love cutting fish, you know, if they love darts, you know, there, there are pool tables in there. There are Harley Davidson's in there. Um, so it really is, I think about it. It's everything that's fun is usually what you love to do is in your garage, especially if you're not in the Midwest, because a lot of times this stuff gets thrown in the basement in the Midwest. We don't have basements really in Phoenix. So, or I'd say Las Vegas doesn't have many either. We're in Vegas as well. Lots of markets don't have basements. So their stuff goes in the garage. Yeah. Even so we, we have a basement here. We're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I've got a basement at home, but that's my, uh, that's my wife's cave. My man cave is uh, outside in the garage. I was just thinking, man, those garage doors are loud. <laughs> Draft. They yeah, could be. A lot of cold air in there now in the winter, you know? Just, it is. It could be, it could be a lot quiet. It could be a lot quieter and it could be a lot, uh, a lot warmer in there if you did it right. And I think people just want that. They look at it as an extra place to hang out. My cousin and, Colorado Springs hangout. I mean, that's the number one spot he's in is in his garage. And he's got a heater built in there. Good garage doors put in. And, and that's that's where he goes to chill. So at the end of the day. I actually just bought him a golden tea. It, it hasn't come yet. Oh, nice. <laughs> Love golden tea. But at the end of the day, what you're looking, what your, your techs are looking to do is what our techs are looking to do is what everybody in the home services business should be looking to do, which is you look around that house and you say, where are the gaps? what's the difference between right now and this homeowner truly enjoying their fill in the blank garage, garage door, uh, shower, um, hot water, Lights. the air they breathe, the, the lighting inside, outside, what, whatever it is, what, where are the gaps? And that's what, that's what you've done so well in the garage door industry is you've just touched on three, maybe five pain points that I personally deal with. And if you were standing in my garage talking about this stuff right now, it would be a done deal. Done deal. And I think what at, at the end of the day what we're talking about is options. We're talking about um, finding those pain points or, or pleasure points that are being missed and then presenting options to the homeowner to say, here's how you can enjoy this more. Here's how you could feel less pain when dealing with this. And kudos to you for having cornered a, a different market, for taking the um, – whatever it is, the Jim Abrams, Terry Nicholson effect, or Ken Goodrich, or whatever it is, and moving in, into a completely different industry. And we actually talked about you in this uh, on this podcast a couple months ago. I forget which episode it was, but, but just the fact that you have taken this single-handedly, as far as I know, I don't know of anyone else doing this, into the garage door sector and are wildly successful, mostly because you yet you don't have competition yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what these guys were saying, and and it is a lot. There's a lot true to the, no competition, but I'll tell you this: throw me in the roofing world, 
I'm actually investing in a roofing company. I'll tell you guys, are you freaking kidding me? His average sale is 17 grand. I'll tell you guys this. There's no competition for me. I can't find a company that even r- ranks close to me, except for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. They do pretty well. I can't find any company in any home service, Gettle, Parker, and Stunk. None of them rank even close to me. It's close to A1Garage.com. I can't find I can't find anybody that's come up with the vehicle wraps and the way we set up our stuff. Gettle does a pretty good job. There's a couple other companies that do a good job. I, I haven't found – the deal is, is I was part of the PFP program when it first started to pay for performance, getting in the newspapers like – I've got affiliate marketing. I use micro influencers. I use, I got real estate agents that go into vacant houses and put stickers in the houses as they're looking for, for houses for their, for their buyers. So at the end of the day, I just think outside of the box and what competition is there? I don't, I don't see anybody. And you know, Roy Williams said, you know, you're going to be successful because you don't have competition. And I said, I know it sounds like kind of like gloating, but I'm like, really? I'm like, I could just do one of the things very good, whether that's pay-per-click, organic, LSA, GMB. I could just do affiliate marketing. Every time, who's an affiliate, for example? Why not get pest control companies to give me every one of the houses they work at? Why? Take a picture of the bottom of the garage. Where's the number one entryway for pests and nasty bugs and scorpions and rats and snakes? The garage. So boom, they sell it for me and I pay them. What about painters? Why paint an old garage door that's falling apart? Let me replace it first. I'll give you part of the money. What about moving companies? Well, you're moving into a new house. Don't you think you'd want to change the garage door code so the old people don't have access and store your new garage doors? Just those alone could give me a thousand jobs a week. Uh, you know, when I was young, I used to auto post on Craigslist 200 ads a day. This is in 2008. The things are, what I try to do is figure out a way to win. And I think outside of the box, and that's part of the that's part of the, the winning strategy, is Google. Like they asked you answer by Marcus Sheridan. I read that book. We built the buyer's guide. That's going live. Uh, it's just really. Uh, I love. I can't wait to meet the competitors that come in here because I don't view them as competitors. There's an old saying that, that people say, "Man, I wish I had ten of me." I'm like, I'm glad I don't have ten of me because I'd have nine competitors. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, Tommy. I, I love all those concepts. And in the trades, I mean, that's certainly something we try to take advantage of as well in terms of the referral business. Uh, you know, uh, our, our guys, whether they're plumbers, electricians, or HVAC guys are in all areas of the home as well. And so we do loss a lot of uh, intercompany transfers as well. You know, the HVAC guy is down next to the furnace and hey, what's right next to that? The water heater. And what's right next to that? The panel. And so all three of our companies are frequently introducing each other to themselves. But how did you begin developing those relationships? You know, even for some of our technicians um, to like with the, with the painters or with the pest control guys, did you start reaching out to them when you were a technician or is that something that happened when you were you know more owning the business and rolling from there? So when I was a technician, my strategy was simple. Um, if I'm going to do anything for you above and beyond, and I treat everybody like my mom, but if you expect me to give you a good deal or give you a search protector, which, you know, I get for three bucks, I'm going to, I need you to do me a favor. And that would be introduce me to the HOA president. I'm going to put a yard sign. I'd love for you to go do a Google review real quick for me and show it to me. If you get a chance, I'd love for you to do next door and Yelp as well. And I'm also going to love to take you a video and tell you how, if you don't mind telling me how good I did. 
and if you had a five out of five experience. And I got all that stuff when I was in the garage. But later, I started asking people for introductions, and I started saying, "Okay, how can I make this a win-win? How do? Because no, no pest control company is going to say yes. I can't wait to sell garage doors, bottom rubbers to my clients. It just says, hey, we'll build an, a Zapier or a connection into your software, which is usually a CRM or it's an ERP system. But you go into it and you just say, listen, all you got to do is take a picture, hit a button. It'll go through schedule engine. It'll book the call. The minute we run that call, you'll get your commission check. It'll be literally wired to your account. You'll have an end of the week summary of everything. The confused mind says, no, she got to make it simple for them. These guys don't want to do anything. They're like, wait, all my guy has to do is pull out his phone. Yeah, she's walking around the garage spraying anyway. Take a picture, hit a button. It fires out a text message to the client. They schedule through schedule engine. It's a custom link for you. So when you're working out these deals, they got to be super, super simple. And that's, that's part of the thing is all you got to do is ask. There's a great book called Go For No. And simply just ask. If you, most people can't even ask, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, the hardest part is just, hey, have you ever thought about our new door? Well, not really, but what do you, why do you ask? Well, there's just several things that we're going to need to fix on this one. It's a non-insulated door. You know, we, we could fix this one, but it's still not going to be insulated. It's still going to have the cracks on it. It's still going to have the worn out trim. And you know, you get a hundred percent ROI on your investment if you wanted to do that. So why don't I fix this one? Let me take a look at it as it's going up. That way, at least you can get it in and out. And maybe I can apply some of this money today that we did towards the repair towards the new door. How does that sound? Sounds great. So <laughs> I have fun with this stuff. I, I love that. Now, another question that we have, you know, our technicians are constantly trying to explore more of the home. And I imagine in garage door sales, you're also trying to do the same, right? You're trying to figure out if I don't know. Do you do like shed doors or like, you know, roll top doors in a shed or something like that where you try to be getting into different areas of the property? No, but we're getting into garage door storage okay. and we're getting into garage door flooring. So I'm living in those spaces and there are going to be times I'm trying to go after the front door. That's not yet. But what I found is be a, you could be a jack of all trades or a master of one. And I just decided to take a lot of people decide to go into many things because it's their backyard. That's where their kids went to school. They know more people there. And I think that strategy works really, really well. I decided to go a little bit different and say, let's just do garage doors and let's do it everywhere. Let's get into Canada. We're not there yet, but let's just explode this thing. Let's buy a hundred companies. Why would anybody want to sell? I mean, you're crazy. Why would anybody, why do you think you're better? Why would they want to sell to you? Well, let's see. Builders are already building houses without cars because of automated cars. Amazon and Google are getting in the game big time. Let's talk about LiftMaster selling to Blackstone, one of the biggest hedge funds in the freaking world. And guess what? Amazon is selling them. Home Depot is selling them. They're starting to commoditize this industry. So I know I can give you a bigger multiple. So my plan is if you walk, talk, and act like us, you pass all the courses, continue to education, you become a black belt in our certification program. And that means you get reviewed financials. That means we're going to give you an offer. What I'd like to do is buy 51% at three times. And then what I'll do is I'll buy the extra 30% at five times. And then I'll last 20%, I'll pay you seven times. But all while we're increasing your sales because I'm not going to come in there and retrain all your guys and fix all your marketing. I can't. I, I'm not part of this membership program. I'll give you guys all the tools and who to hire, but 
you want us behind you, you want us poking your calls, doing your taxes, doing everything, setting up the system, then we need to have an ownership piece. But that last 20% will be about double what that first payment was for the 50%. And we're the managing partner now. And we'll wrap that up, but they're going to make a fortune. They're going to be a multi, multi, multi millionaire. I mean, even if they're only doing 300,000 a year net, I'll get them to be multiple millionaires, multi-millionaires, and they'll have a job they love with plenty of PTO for weeks where they could just come in. They don't have to worry about the BS that every owner has to worry about is showing up on weekends. They put their work jacket up when they get home. They enjoy their lives now. And they, they go back to why they got into business. And I think that's a pretty compelling argument for any business owner. And to say, if you love accounting, shoot, I'll, I'll let you live in accounting. But if you hate it, if you hate tax, if you hate recruiting, if you hate dealing with the marketing all the time, let us deal with that. Let's do what you love. Grow your market. And that's why I think this is a pretty cool story. And I'm not in the business of taking advantage of people. And what happens when you get a guy that, that becomes a millionaire? He goes out and five, finds five more of his buddies that are in the same industry and go, goes and tries to get them to do it. Absolutely. That's the quickest way to build this, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, in terms of uh, upsell or in terms of options and, and increasing the tickets for your average garage door sale, um, what are some of the things that your technicians offer in terms of like, uh, well, here's a standard door, here's an upgraded door. I mean, what other things are there in the garage door market? Well, we try to put it in the buckets, one star, two star, three star, four star, five star, and then the A1 package. That's what we try to do. And those are different installations. You can have windows and no extra charge on, a, on the five-star and the, the A1 package. They come with better openers that connect to my door, which connects to your cell phone. Um, everyone carries a 20,000-cycle spring. Usually that's the top. They carry a 5, 10, and a 20. We carry a 10, 25, and an 80. Then we get a powder coat of red. We trademark the name. It's called Max Life. Our rollers are double Z-bearing rollers. I was just in Cincinnati at one of the uh, part uh, depot guys that we're buying from, and, and he shows me this 14-gauge hinge. And I said, is there any way to double the thickness? Can you go down to an 11-gauge? And he's like, dude, that's way overkill. I said, I know. I said, and I want a powder coat or white, and I want you to put a silencer sleeve into it. He goes, dude, that's going to cost you an extra 20 bucks a kit per door. I go, good. Uh, trust me. I'm going to... I only signed up for quite a bit more than 20 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, my, my story behind it, and I love storytelling is, uh, you know, Tommy, the owner, he loved going to grandpa and grandma's house when he was a kid. And, and his grandma had the same appliances when they moved in from like 1950, to, you know, for, for 40, 50 years, the same appliances, same washer and dryer, same fridge, same oven. And he just really likes things that last. And he decided to build the doors that just aren't going to fall apart after three, five, ten years. He built these things into a tank, and that's why I came out with this package here. Look at this versus this. Look at this versus this. Tell me which one do you want. If you're leaving and moving in three years, let's just do these. That's what I would do if I was moving in three years, but if you think you're going to stay in the home five years or more, this is what I would do. And it's just the best bang for the buck. It's a great investment. Do you find it difficult to get your your trainees, your technicians, the people that you're bringing in recruiting to buy into the mindset of upgrades? Has that been a challenge for you? Or do you feel like most of those people are like, oh, yeah, man, that makes total sense. Five, 10 years, uh, you know, give me the best you got. Well, that's why I talked to over three hours during their orientation. And that's why they're, 
there's certain guys got to be chosen a certain way. We've got personality profiling, and that's why we do pretty much the name of the game when you come to Phoenix is role play all day, every day. And you're going to get over objections. You're going to role play. Hey, my husband's not home. Okay, no problem. It's a great time that we get to come back, and I'd love to meet your husband. I understand that, you know, I talk to my wife before I make decisions like this. So we've got just, we go through these things, eye contact, body language, tonality, what to do in certain situations, and make it second nature for them. A lot of times, you know, when I played, I played all these sports, soccer, baseball, football, and we do these things called two-a-days. So we practice twice a day five days a week to play once. So we practice 10 times more than we played. Well, in business, for some reason, we say, we're going to practice a little bit in the beginning, and then you're going to play the game every day. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I try to hire athletes or somebody that was in a band or somebody that made a commitment and learned to excel at something. I love those because they're used to that. They grew up with that, that every day they'd have to practice or play. And um, I think we're missing that these days. Yeah, you ain't kidding. I'm I'm a big big uh both student and teacher of role playing and you you're absolutely right about the fact that we and we've talked about this on here before that we spend um you know 9 hours a day actually playing the game and a half hour in the morning training for the game if we're lucky. I mean, and and then with COVID, you I mean that's the reason we started this podcast was just a way to to train and connect with our techs outside of the building. Uh, with COVID, you didn't even have that. You had no morning meetings. You had nobody getting together. And the, um, the, the the social skill aspect of what we do presenting and dealing with people has really dropped off in a way that I don't think we've even seen yet. So the role-playing and getting together like you guys do at the, what, the Phoenix Training Center, you said? Yeah. Yeah, it's our Phoenix Training Center. And I got to tell you, I'll have this place done hopefully <laughs> – hopefully by the end of February, middle of March. And it's, I'm going to get, I have a real Harley Davidson going in there. I have canoes. I've got fishing poles, golf clubs. I've got dartboards. I've got, you name it. I'm going to have fake fish freaking <laughs> on there. And I, all you're going to do is walk into one section and you're going to talk about what are the three things you're going to talk about. Let me hear you talk about it. Find something in common, find something to smile about that you love. If there's a cat there and you hate cats, don't talk to the cat. I'm going to have dogs that look real with the name tags on them. And you're going to say, Hey Max, how are you? You know, these things are so, so important to connect with people. And people say, Oh man, I hate that. All you guys talk about is sales. I'm like, well, how'd you meet your wife? You think you were in sales? Well, tell me a little bit about your best friend. You think you, uh, had to sell people like you, how did you get into your college? Everything we do all day, every day is sales. People hate it because they don't like the word sales, but that's just what it is. And until they come to terms with themselves there's a great book called how to win friends and influence people and if you learn to listen ask questions smile nod your head when people are talking you'll find that you're far more successful in life you need to get some of those uh big mouth billy basses that sing hang them up in the garages uh, yeah yeah that's great <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, so Tommy, I, I love the concept of the training, you know, we've, we've done entire podcasts on like training in the off season. Um, and you've spoken a lot about how you're developing your, your technicians from the ground up. Once, once you launch your people into the field, how do you continue to maintain the level of training and, and reinforcement that it takes to retain everything that you've done at the beginning of their employment into their, you know, 
well, let's just tell their first year, right? The turning from first to second year. How, how do you make sure that they're still the tech that you want? They're still doing the options. They're still presenting the way that you want. They're still interacting the way that you want. How do you do that? So there's, there's quite a few things there. Uh, number one is the data integrity team to make sure that they're following the forms. We get pictures, we get sentiments, we get reviews, we get tr- all that's tracked. They're all KPI. So we've got a complete technician scorecard. The scorecard goes into a lot of different levels. It goes into conversion rate. It goes into average ticket. It goes into um, how many reviews they get. It goes into, there's just probably like seven items that it looks at. And it also looks at how many service to sales you got. It looks at a, a complete breakdown of the parts you're selling. If Max Life is our trademark, we want to know are you selling good Max Life. If you're falling short of that, that tells us it's a coachable opportunity. Then we set up a lot of ride-alongs. Uh, ride-alongs are amazing. And then a lot of times we'll send guys back to Phoenix, usually once a year for a refresher. Um, and when they come to Phoenix, they're like, oh my God, this is so much different because we're growing so fast here and so many more trainers and so much going on. But there, sometimes it's hard to take an older guy and get him to change his mindset because they don't understand. We didn't hire like we used to. Now we're hiring for, for attitude. And we're really looking for somebody that says, hey, you're raising prices again? Great. That means I got to get paid more. I love it. Not, oh, my God. How am I going to be able to tell a customer that? It's like... <laughs> Never heard so, such a thing. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. It's crazy. It's just, you hear these guys and I'm like, listen, never, ever, ever, I learned this from Darius, never, ever say 1,000. Never say 7,556. Say 7,536. Just, it's just the way you say it. Just say, yeah, hey, listen, we got a great great special going on today. You got you, you, you qualified for a promotion with your credit. You're looking at uh, 362 a month. So Tommy, I mean, you've, you've lived and breathed this for years. Obviously you're innovating every day in what you're doing. What would be looking back upon the history, you know, what would you say has been the biggest change or, or had the largest ROI in terms of what you've trained or taught your technicians to do or how to do something in the home? Where have you seen the biggest improvement or the biggest result? Well, you know, I think the role playing and, and service uh, financing, service to sales, service to sales, selling financing, uh, differentiating ourselves, you know, when they sell apples, to apples, I sell oranges. And that's, that's one of the main things is practice makes perfect. Do a better job of qualifying people because if you're not qualifying the new people you're hiring to the 10th degree, you're going to find yourself wasting a lot of time, energy, and money. And I think that's a, the hardest problem with small companies that only have five techs is they go, man, none of these guys want to work. It's because you're put, posting one ad on Craigslist a month and expecting everybody to flock into your door. Um, you know, we spend a lot, a lot of money. I look at marketing for three things, hiring employees, buying companies, and also getting the clients like everybody else does. And, um, yeah, the big deal is do not choose what's right for the customer. Let them choose what's right for them. I had a guy go to a wood overlay garage or a brand new decked out deco hardware, door weight a thousand pounds. Guy's like, man, <laughs> you know, these doors, these guys are going to need some maintenance. I goes, yeah they do need a lot of maintenance. I had the same ones in my last house. Can we put something low maintenance on here? So never judge a book. Just, just, just give the customer the options. You know, what are you looking to do? Don't make, Oh, I would never buy financing because I'm not a finance buyer. Well, who cares? Everybody's a finance buyer. I'm an interest. I'm a no interest buyer. You give me three years, savings cash. I'm going to buy that. Especially with this inflation dollar days worth a lot more. If I could keep it in my pocket, pay it off at the end. You know, I'm very happy with that. 
So I, I say, don't make the decision for the clients. Let them make their own decisions. Oh, they'll never go for that. I can't tell you how many times I've trained guys. I got out of the field in 2014 and the guys, I go, Hey, I'm going to go back to the door. And he goes, I remember one day this guy goes, dude, there's no way she's already going to be pissed. She said no more. And I said, I know who cares? Watch. And I walked up and I smiled and I said, I know you're going to kill me, but the door is all done. It's working great. But you still got the bottom rubber where all those nasty scorpions and spiders come in. Like it doesn't affect the, the way the door works. I know that I told you it was the last thing, but the door's working perfectly. I don't care if you do this or not, but here's the old one. I took a little piece off of it, cut a piece off. Here's a new one. And here's the difference. You know, I'm not going to charge you any more labor because I've already charged you for labor. If you want me to throw that on, I will. Then we're out of here. And she's like, oh, my God, just do it. And the dude's like, holy cow. He's like, that actually worked. I'm like, it works every time. There's not, there's never once it doesn't work. And when I tell these guys these stories and they actually know that I was in there doing it, they're like, okay, he's, he's a real deal. He's not just somebody that's making this stuff up. Yeah, which is fantastic. And that's, that's very encouraging to somebody who's in the field listening to this. And I have to ask, you know, part of what you talked about there is the education of the client, which is something that we really focus on. How have you found it to be effective to educate your clients on the choices that they're making? I mean, you said always let the client get whatever they want, just present them options. But part of that is educating them on what those options are and also what those options mean. So how have you done that effectively? Um, well, one of the things we do is we build the door out of the home. And one of the other things we do is we walk in with a bag of parts and I always tell people, listen, if I could let them touch it, see it, feel it, smell it, I want them to experience it like I'm experiencing it, like a bearing plate. I'll take a bearing plate off and I'll shake it and I say, "This is we're not a church, this shouldn't sound like a tambourine. There's no way to repack these bearings. These things are shot. One of the things I'll teach you guys, not teach you guys, but I'll tell you guys is you really want to be careful and be very strategic in the way the words you say. And I can give you a quick example of this is, uh, you know, you never want to say contract. You always say sign the agreement. You never want to say sign here. You want to say just, okay, the paperwork. You never want to say cancellation. You say you have the right to rescission. Never say commission, say fees for services. Never say cost, say investment. Never say credit card, say form of payment. Never say objection, say area of concern. Never say expenses, say top of line. Never say cheaper, say more economical. There's a lot of these words that we teach our guys to say. Never say recommend. I always say this is shot. It's dangerous. It's failed. It's time to replace it. I never give people any wiggle room. If you say, if I say it's dangerous, it's not safe. The part is shot. It's done. You go, well, can I get a little bit of time out of it? <laughs> no, you can't. No one ever says that though, but they say, well, I'd really recommend this. That means nothing. That means the comp- that you're not getting a sale that day. That's that's something that we've actually talked about here a number of times with uh, one of our former guests, Gene Slade. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his name in the industry. Yeah, I've heard of him, yeah. Uh, but that's he, he kind of works a, a similar angle where we stay away from the word recommendation um, and focuses a lot more on what you need to do. And speaking of what you need to do, something that we focus on here in the, the home services industry in our neck of the woods is service agreements or uh, service contracts, you know, uh, maintenance agreements, those types of things. And that's, that's something that you said you finally cracked into that market a little bit. So can you tell us exactly uh, what you're doing for the garage door maintenance agreements and how that works? 
Yeah, you know, what we do is we charge $8 per garage. Uh, eight, actually, $8 per home now. We stopped doing it per garage. And $8 per month. And we go through, we lubricate, adjust, tighten everything on the door. We give you up to $100 rebate today on your service, but it's kind of tricky how we paperwork it. We're going to get that $100 back if you cancel it. And, um, you know, the thing is, is we go through at the end of the service call and we actually go through and show you. You're going to want to loosen this, tighten this, make sure to adjust this, take the case off the opener. You're going to need a special part to do this. This is the exact part you're going to want to get, a uh, tool you're going to need to take it apart. This is the gear and sprocket. You want to make sure to just hit the sprocket and the worm gear. You don't want to lubricate it right here because this is where your capacitor is and your RPM sensor. Do not get that wet. And then you want to make sure, but if you drench it, <laughs> you're going to end up making a mess. And so so now, just make customer. sure this is tight and make sure your springs are balanced, this, 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 this. Yeah, but I don't make it that complicated. You, but when you're there, it takes 10 minutes to go through with the customer and then show them how the balance test. Show them in the manual to prevent injury or death. It says get a technician out there once a year. And they're like, you know what? I don't know. Like, Why don't you guys just put us on that plan? You said we could get a little bit of money back today. Sure. They don't notice the eight bucks if they get your membership. So, and then what we do is we get the age of the equipment. And over time, we know. In the last three years, we're literally there to be a consultant, be as good as we can be to the customer. But eventually, it just makes sense to replace that. So we're just building a fence around the customer. I love it. And, and in those in those terms of performing those maintenance agreements, do you find that most of your clients are at home when you do that? Yeah. Yeah, they typically tend to be home. And that's when we really like to be as detailed as possible. There's a great guy that I went and visited, Leland Smith, with uh, – Service champions. Service uh, champions. What is it? Service champions. We have service champions. Yeah, we, we went out and visited as well. Yeah, he's got. I just love the way they do their tune-ups and the way they train their guys. Oh, uh, they're training facility. You know, I, I still got a ways to go before I catch up to him. But he's 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 been doing this a long time, man. And uh, you know, to think of it, he just had a, he's a little bit ahead with the money situation with the pr- private equity, but. You know, we, we struck a pretty good loan with a bank. So I've got a pretty good opportunity here to just start doing the same thing. But I don't like to give away equity very early on. And I still feel like I'm early in the game to give away too much equity. Sure. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're well advanced beyond your years in the game, but probably still very early as well. Um, if you don't mind jumping back real quick to you said you have the uh, technician scorecard. Um, I, I was a, I came from a plumbing truck myself and I was someone who I loved, uh, to have as many metrics as possible where, whereby I could grade myself. Um, and our, and this podcast is, is dedicated to both motivating the men and women of, of the trades and and who are out there in trucks. And also, um, secondary is to bring more men and women to the trades, like kind of promote it to the next generation. But for those who are currently in trucks um i know if i was still in a truck i would have that that scorecard would have piqued my interest and i was wondering if you wouldn't mind going through what the what the seven grades are on that scorecard yeah i don't have one in front of me but basically what we look at is we look at the reviews you got where there's a point system 400 of the points are based on your sales material total cost and then we look at i know we look at yard signs we look at the reviews you get we look at what's called a um, the CSRs and the dispatchers. We got a point system that, that the recalls is a big one that you get dis- 
disadvantages. If you get a lot of recalls, you need to go back to a job because of some type of warranty issue. And then another one is tech errors. So a tech error could be you didn't go through your checklist appropriately. You skipped a step or didn't take a picture of the sticker. Um, any of those things really hurts you pretty bad very, very quickly. And then there's uh, the overall rating of all your reviews at Service Time Polls and Marketing Pro. So those are the core ones. And then there's ones that could override, like your truck, if you're not sending in pictures once a week. We've got a whole checklist for the vehicle because we're in actually 19 states now. So we want to look at everything to do with the vehicle. And, and the, the, we, we hit you on the point system. And so you can be a really, really amazing tech and the best sales guy in the world. But if you're getting a bunch of recalls, not getting reviews, not putting out yard signs and not following the process, you're going to be mediocre. I mean, you better be the top guy of sales if you're not going to have a high conversion rate and look at any of the other stuff. So this kind of gives a well-rounded, it's not just a commissionable job. We look at a lot of things. We don't want bad work. We don't want bad reviews. We don't want tech errors. We don't want unfilled out checklists. All those things matter. They sure do. And, and I, I love scorecards. We have many of them here as well. Um, and one thing that I find interesting is that your industry and our industry are very much the same in terms of the technicians are very remote. You said you're in what, 19 states, I believe. And so you're dealing with people in states that you've never actually met. Um, and you know, how, how do you prevent your technicians from feeling isolated from feeling, uh, like they're a number in a machine and that's all they're responsible to a checklist and where's the personal interaction come into it? You know, that's been a tough one to figure out. Um, we got our meetings, but, but really what it is, is this, this, the stream manager getting involved. Um, what I'm working on is a protocol tool to be able to send text messages out over the internet, um, that I get five technicians per day. One of them, I give a call to four text messages and I could even do voicemail blasts. Um, like also you personally, as in Tommy Mello is going to call them. So every day I'm going to spend one hour a day going through employees, 400 of them for the first hour. I'm going to be doing this, but my assistant's going to be setting it all up, putting all the phone numbers, getting it all opened up through a system on the back end we use to do all this. I think it's important that Tommy Mello, the owner, the founder, spends one hour per day to say happy birthday or send a nice message out or say congratulations on the new house. I think that that's something that Jack Welch did. I think that it's important that GE is a lot bigger than A1 garage doors. So taking an hour a day to tell the people that, basically are my family that I care about them. I think is heavily important and uh, we're going to be sending out through send out cards and through uh, mailbox power, birthday cards, chocolate, you know, hot chocolate and all that stuff for the kids, birthdays, anniversaries, cards that matter. This is for recognition. If a guy has a great month, we're going to be acknowledging that. And it might seem like this is a lot of work and maybe expensive to people and just, they don't have the time, but, Really, when guys, it's, it's when everybody's firing off cylinders and they're happy and they got a place to vent and they know that they're appreciated, um, you know, it, it, it makes a big difference. So that's one of the big priorities we're working on this month is being able to spend the time. I already do that, but it's not as organized. So we're going to make it way more organized and make sure there's no no department left not getting a call or a text message just saying, hey, dude. I can send out video messages super, super easy through this program. So I said, listen, I saw that you had a hundred percent conversion rate the last 29 days in a row. I'm super proud of you. I just want you to know, I, I do see you. 
make sure to say, tell Melissa I said hello. Let the kids know I said my love as well. And I'll, I'll check you out next Thursday at the next meeting. A kudos to you, man. So, that, that's an incredible investment for somebody at your level and your size. It is. I think it's something that needs to be done. And let, let people do their jobs, though. That's one of the things, too, is I'm trying to. I tend, I tend to get invested and involved in certain things when I probably shouldn't. But it's only when it's very, very apparent that it's not going good. Well, Tommy, I'm sure you're a busy guy and you have many things to do today. I have one more question for you, but before we wrap up here, uh, where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, Home Service Expert Podcast, or you can go to the book, uh, Home Service Millionaire, homeservicemillionaire.com um, forward slash free. It's like eight bucks. There's a hard copy of the book. Um, that includes shipping and, and the book. So it's basically, I lose money on that. But um, yeah. I'd say that's the best way. And if anybody ever wants to come uh, check out a one, just let me know. You can find my email online. There's a million of it. Just search Tommy Mello. Um, and we'll set up a time that you can come out here. Usually I set up three or four people at a time. If we do a shop tour and try to make time for people like people make for me. So I think it's important to pay it forward. And any advice for the, for the uh, technician in the field right now, who's just, listening to this from behind the, the driver's seat, heading to the next call, um, and, you know, be it our text, your text, you know, just text out there he heading to a client's house. Yeah. You know, number one is, um, there's no better time than now. Uh, fix your credit. Do not buy depreciating freaking things. Do not go out there and buy a Harley Davidson. You think you deserve it. Don't buy a snowmobile. Don't buy, go borrow one for a day, buy a house. Um, invest in yourself, read leaders are readers, figure out a way, go talk to the boss and figure out how you can move up in the company, hang out with winners, do a ride along. You know, people say, I don't need ride alongs. I already do fine. Don't make just enough to get by, mm. you know, my top guys, they still figure out if you can't save money when you're making 30 grand, you'll never save money when you're making 300. So figure out a way to save money. We invest the Dave Ramsey program for every one of our employees to, to save money. And, uh, oh, awesome. I think it's important that a lot of these guys are making amazing money and hopefully they're starting to invest it, working on their credit not buying a bunch of, you know, we say sell with finance, but I say don't buy with finance because <laughs> you get into debt quick. So let me, uh, we, we actually just sent out a, I don't think I've heard you mention that on your podcast before. Um, but we actually sent out a survey, what, two weeks ago to all of our employees asking if they would be interested in a company funded, um, is it Financial Peace University, the Ramsey program you do? Yeah, it's, I know it's Dave Ramsey's program for, yeah. I, I can't even tell you. It's like save a penny or something, but our HR team runs that. But is that is that something they do from home, online? or They can do that anywhere, yeah. Anywhere from the computer, they got a phone. Um, but it's something where if you're going to invest in it, you got to actually talk about it. It's kind of like, if you, we did a weight loss challenge and I barely, I mentioned it one time and nobody really got involved, but I had winners, but you gotta, it's gotta be in the culture. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be top of mind awareness. Absolutely. Well, Tommy, the last question that we have for you here is if you were going to take your talents, your skills, your machine and everything and turn it into the HVAC plumbing and electrical business, where do you think you would find your innovation? Hmm. 
Where would I find an innovation? You mean who would I be around or what, what I mean, does that like mean? If you were starting your own company and you would basically do all the, all the things you've done for garage doors into the, the HVAC plumbing and electrical world, like how, how would Tommy Mello start that business? Um, I would, uh, first thing I would do is go visit all the companies that are successful. Um, that's step one. Step two is I'd start with branding. I start with an online site and make sure my raps were killer. Then I build my online reputation out. I go do friends and family and tell everybody I hired to give me 10 friends and family. And I go do free tune-ups, lubricated, just and everything on the door, give half price to everything, but make sure to get five reviews. One on the BBB, one on Nextdoor, one on Yelp, one on Google, one on Facebook. Then I would go out there and start making sure my LSA, PPC, GMBs were all doing really, really well online, especially my organic Google. Then what I would do is make sure that I've got KPIs and a good CRM all dialed in. And then I make sure I find people that are way better than me at the things that I suck at, like organization <laughs> time management. And then I would start hiring those roles, putting them into a box, not putting a box around the people. Then I would come up with manuals and certain KPIs to make sure everything's being monitored appropriately and they all know how to win the game. Then I would provide a good, great culture and then I would just keep hiring and scaling and make it into the largest HVAC company in North America. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our sake, we're, we're grateful you're not looking at that uh, venture anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, uh, just one last question. What if you were a technician and you were, and you were in the HVAC plumbing or electrical business? What do you think you'd be focusing on as a tech? As a technician, you know, I, I do think I want to ride with other guys that are great. I, I just think, and if you're the greatest out there, you should be reading and talking and listening to podcasts like this. You should be figuring out better ways. You should be pushing the limit every single day. And I don't think enough guys do that. They get content and they feel like they hit the, the top. And I would just really be reaching out. One of the things I would do is get with you guys possibly and people get with me. And for example, I had uh, two of my guys fly out to uh, Las Vegas and I got guys in Vegas too, but I had them go out with an air conditioning tech. He did 24 grand in a day. Brent Buckley. And I learned a lot of stuff from him. So that's what I do is I, I tell, I try to get my guys exposure to every other industry as much as possible. And just to witness it. And some of them don't get much out of it. Some of them absolutely say, man, I wish I would have known about that before, but have an open mind, have an open mind to be able to learn more and ask more questions and read the book. Go for no. I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's a simple little read. Um, it's quick. It's cheap. And I give it to every one of my technicians when they start is, don't be afraid to, to ask and go for no. Well, that's why we wanted to have you on, Tommy. Uh, that cross-industry, open-mind idea is what we're about here. And uh, we really appreciate your time today and all the insights you provided us with. Hey, thank you, guys. I had a blast. I really appreciate the time as well. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And it was good to talk to you. I'm, I'm uh, positive we will see each other very soon as we're going to start hitting some of these conventions that you, you frequent and uh, excited to meet you in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really appreciate you guys. Let me know when uh, we're, this will be on. I'll promote it. Awesome. We love it, Tommy. Thanks so much for what you do, and keep doing those great podcasts. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Wow, that was a mind-blowing episode. I hope you got as much out of that one as we did here. It was incredible to have Tommy Mello on and sharing all of his insights. The machine that he has is something to behold, and that's kind of what we're trying to do in HVAC plumbing and electrical industries as well. 
Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about the machine that we have here, uh, we're always hiring and we're always looking for people who are interested in making themselves better, making themselves improve, making a better version of themselves and who are willing to choose each morning to wake up and waste no day.